Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where your host, Alison K. Summers, is searching the globe to introduce you to cutting-edge thinkers and entrepreneurs whose stories will inspire you to innovate your own business life. Having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, Alison is taking her own experiences to help today's CEOs and professionals meet the ever-changing demands of the future of work. Now, here's your host, Alison K. Summers. Hey everyone, welcome to this episode of Disruptive CEO Nation. Here at CEO Nation, we clearly love to talk to company founders, but we also love talking to people who like to do social good. So when we discovered the story of Down to Donate, we absolutely had to bring it to you. So today we have the immense pleasure of speaking with entrepreneur and self-professed slacktivist who saw a need <laughs> and a way to impact the nonprofit world. So um, Monica, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me, Allison. So, Monica, give everybody your details, your full name, your your company, what you're doing today. Tell us some about you. Sure. So, um, I am Monica Weintraub. I am the founder and CEO of Down to Donate, which is a charity subscription service. Uh, our goal is that we don't want some people to donate a lot. We want a lot of people to donate a little um, mostly it's important to us to kind of redefine what it means to be a philanthropist. We feel the word has been reserved for the ultra wealthy who start these foundations, um, may not have too much involvement, but really we just want to build a community of really strong people who we know can create, create even a bigger impact than that with just a, a little bit of work. And so let's take a step back before we talk about, um, down to donate, which I'm so excited to to hear and support what you're trying to achieve. But this isn't the first thing that you've been a part of launching. So give us a little bit about your founder's journey. Sure. So um, in 2011, well, I guess I should backtrack even more. Um, I was finishing up an apprenticeship here in Phoenix, Arizona with AmeriCorps and their branch of, um, I guess, community servers called Public Allies. And that was just a 10-month apprenticeship where I first got into the nonprofit sector. Uh, I happened to be paired with a nonprofit who was specializing in um, immigrants coming from Asia. And so uh, about a few months into that, my boyfriend had said, uh, well, we basically were in a new relationship, and he had decided that he was going to move to China. Um, and that was supposed to be a really short stunt, just six months to go teach English. And then... Um, he went and he pretty much told me, I'm going to call you and let you know if I like it. If I do, then I'm, I might stay here a little longer. And so he arrived. He had been there for maybe 24 hours max. Um, he calls me and he's like, I love this place. You have to come. Um, so I finished up my apprenticeship. I had about five months left on that, which, would have, um, which did provide me a very nice education award. And I figured I would do some traveling before I um, decided to come back and settle and go to school and everything. Um, from there, I went to China, pretty much exactly what he said. I fell in love with the country. It was amazing. There were just so many opportunities there. Uh, I taught English for a while and then started to kind of notice that there was just a big gap in, in uh, being able to safely get to China and teach English. And so uh, my boyfriend and I thought, well, why don't we start a recruiting company? Because oftentimes when you are recruited to teach English in China, it's not by a native English speaker and, you know, they don't, the locals there don't have the um, 
I guess, the insight onto what foreigners might be worried about on the way over, whereas we had experienced those things firsthand. So we wanted to create something really transparent where we could answer all of their questions from experience, having lived there and taught there and, and traveled there. So uh, from there, we started a company called New Life ESL, um, and we worked on that for about four years. And in between that, it just kind of taught us uh, so many skills that I, I just had no idea that I had. I didn't know I could do graphic design. I didn't know I could write. I didn't know I could take pictures. I didn't know I could run a business. Um, and, you know, so many of those things are really usually even outsourced. Uh, when it comes to starting your business. And so being able to do those in-house with, you know, quality content was, um, made me feel really good and confident about trying other uh, aspects of business. So um, uh, the three of us who were the founders, we kind of, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, we, we'd lost a little bit of interest in the industry. It's, it gets a little draining having to deal with people's visas and the legalities of things. It, it becomes, you know, quite a burden to handle all these, you know, hundreds of people in the country who you brought there. And so we um, decided to go through, uh, we were offered an acquisition. Um, long story short, that took a long time. Um, it didn't happen in the end. And we just kind of learned from that and, and decided to move on with the other work that we had started um, picking up on. And so, you came to Down to Donate, and I know if we go to the website, and I know from um, speaking with you, what was the motivation to say, okay, now here's this other need that I need to step in and do something about? Well, as I had said, when I was first, um, before I moved to China, I was a part of Public Allies, which is an amazing program that I would recommend to anybody. Um, and it, it taught me a lot about community and, and being there for your community. But I was so young at the time. I was, I was 20, turning 21. And there was so much that I had learned that people have been, you know, they've been working on these social issues. Again, that was uh, nine years ago for me almost. And a lot of the issues we hear about today, gender equality, race equality, gun control, all of these things um, that are really hot button issues uh, that those people had been working on for such a long time. And even while I was a part of it and it was right there, I, I was just kind of even too young to really understand the importance of all this need for social good. And so when I had gone to China, I kind of put that part of my interest on the back burner became really into traveling. Um, and then as I, uh, in 2017, after the election happened, um, it was in April, and or I'm sorry, in September, and I had uh, gotten on Facebook and I saw all of these, just so many posts about the president and, and just so many things that I felt, you know, well, maybe if you showed up, maybe if you did a little bit more the results would have been different. Maybe as a society, there wouldn't be so many issues if we all just did the bare, bare minimum. And that would be supporting nonprofits at the very least. If we don't have the time or money, we can give a little bit to the people who know what to do with that money and know how to make a real impact and a real change. Um, so I just got frustrated seeing all of these posts just kind of bad-mouthing what was going on in the world while I, I just had a hunch that people weren't really showing up. So um, I decided to do a little bit of research. I looked into nonprofits. I started kind of going to hundreds of nonprofits websites and they were all really dated. Um, and even the ones that weren't dated, they would, you know, come up with a pop-up that was immediately insisting you donate a hundred dollars. That would be kind of their, um, their just set donation amount. And I thought, wow, like that's actually a lot of, a lot of money uh, for one-time donation. And then once you make that donation, 
you're bombarded with email after email asking for more. <laughs> and um, more marketing than you think of, like, this, is, this marketing cost more than my first donation. Right, right. And so, and it was also really, uh, there wasn't too many positive aspects to it. It was, you know, a really sad kid in a war-torn area or someone who clearly, you know, was homeless. And there just wasn't any community building to it. I just saw that there was a need um, for, for obviously these nonprofits to have more funding, but they weren't celebrating the people who were donors. And, and more importantly, I felt like they weren't targeting um, the right people. My generation is obviously, we want to help. I know we really do. Um, we love to do things that are, that create kind of a, a viral effect, like the um, ALS Ice Bucket Challenge, and more recently the hashtag, which is trash tag. We love to share what we're doing. Um, and I just felt at one point there was this adage where it's just, uh, you're supposed to be humble about giving back. You don't really share that you, you donate. It's just something that you do for yourself and, it, and you shouldn't brag about it. But I just feel in this day and age that now is not the time to be silent about how you are helping change the world. Um, so that's why we, you know, I started working on down to donate. It just made sense after seeing all these faults and then especially learning that a nonprofit's recurring donor base is you know, made up of less than 10% of their donations. And when we have all these services that we use, Netflix, beauty boxes, all these subscription services, you know, it just felt like, well, we have the money definitely to donate a little bit every month, but we're branding it as a recurring donation. We're branding it the wrong way. So I thought maybe we need to try it as a subscription and um, just hopefully change the game with just a little bit of verbiage, just a few differences than what's already happening in the nonprofit world. And I think you said this earlier, you know, um, give to people who know what to do with the money. And unfortunately, we, we're so busy and there's so many um, charities and worthy charities and, and quite frankly, some charities that are financially not as sound as they would make you think. Um, I love the fact that, that you do the research. Um, so what does it take to get on your list of charities? Well, it really, it just depends on the, the overall connection that I would have with them. It's a, a lot of people are curious about that. How do I vet them? But I, I go through so many calls. I have a spreadsheet of hundreds of nonprofits on them. Um, and I just try and compare what they're already doing to what we're doing. Um, and I, I used to just have this, this stigma that if the nonprofit already had hundreds of millions of dollars and if the CEOs were making a lot of money already, then they probably didn't need our help. But then, I'm, and then since you're in the nonprofit space, you probably know Dan Paletta, I assume. I don't, but I'm going to. <laughs> yeah, he, this, is, this is an amazing man who has completely changed the way I have viewed making money in the nonprofit sector. And um, basically, it's, I'll, I'll kind of just tell you a quote that he says that's really important to me and has, has guided me as far as in who I want to work with. And he says, we aren't upset when Paramount makes a $200, $200 million movie that flops, but if a charity experience with $5 million and the event that they do it with fails, we call them the attorneys. So we're, it's, it's just really easy for us to be mad at charities spending money in order to have a better impact instead of, you know, we, we're constantly able to give money to fast fashion, fast food who create waste and cause, you know, a lot of other issues that trickle down. But when it comes to investing in a nonprofits and letting them experience experiment, 
with marketing and fun and, and advertising and just general overhead costs, hiring in the web developer to create a better website that's more efficient and faster. We're not really into it. We want all of that money to go right back into the cause. Whereas we really could be giving them the money they need to advertise and get their word out, which would ultimately allow them to have more money to go back to the cause. So it's just a very kind of backwards mentality that we have about money in the nonprofit sector. No, you're, you're absolutely correct. And it, it also goes with, with payroll, right? When it comes to nonprofit sectors is, you know, we want to pay everybody less and then, oh, well, they don't work 60 hours a week like they do in corporate. And it's like, okay, so we want to hire the least motivated people <laughs> right. to be the ones. And that's, that's not the case. I mean, a lot of people do work in nonprofit space because it is their passion point. But, but yet, like you said, you have a lot of efficiencies when you attract the right, the right talent and the right innovation. And so absolutely, um, you know, nonprofits need to be efficient and they look at their numbers with more um, optics, I think, than any good corporation. And it, it's good to reward them and, and do well. So let's go to Monica, you had this great idea. And so, and you knew there was a need. And I think you're right, you tapped in to knowing exactly who your market is and what makes them tick. How did you go about building the platform? How did you go about actually bringing this piece to life? Um, well, I was able, I'm not able, I, I am bootstrapping right now. And that is not easy. <laughs> and uh, basically, I just, I kind of drew it out. Like I said, I had gained so many skills from my first startup and that was writing. That was, I had already been getting press. I had been featured in a few um, big media outlets. And so I knew what it took to actually kind of get the wheels turning on that. And so um, I looked up a few freelancers. Pretty much the only thing I knew I couldn't do was code the website. Um, I knew I could write the copy. Um, I knew I could, you know, have just a general vision of what I wanted the brand to be, which again, these are usually all outsourced things. Um, and so I had, uh, I had told my best friend and my boyfriend about the idea and they really supported me in it. And, and so much where every day it was all I would talk about, you know, you just become obsessed when these things <laughs> start to happen. And, um, eventually my best friend, she was just so into it as well. And she was also helping me working for my other startup. So she had some time to really, um, you know, give me her attention with that. And the more we talked about it, the more we were just like, we have all these great ideas. And eventually I asked her to be my co-founder. Um, she's incredibly resourceful. She was also living in China at the time. And um, so at the, you know, we had the website up, but we knew we needed original photos. We had such a, a strong and clear vision of what we wanted. We didn't want it to be this, this really cheesy kind of classic thing you see where it's, you know, these smiling, laughing people or or, you know, just these kind of stock photos. And we definitely didn't want to guilt people into giving back. You know, we just wanted it to be strong and hard hitting. And she was living, um, while well, I was living in Beijing, China, she was living in a city in the Southwest called Kunming, which is pretty small by China standards, but massive by American standards. And um, she had a really strong network of expats there. And somehow she rallied up, you know, like four professional photographers and all these volunteer models. And we just... You know, we're able to create this great, diverse image of all these wonderful people who we knew were our audience. And so I'd say, you know, getting, having that photo shoot, and, and we've also, you know, been able to 
have pro bono um, video shoots, she's, she's amazing at really, you know, creating a community. And just having that really kind of solidified things, it just helped us see the vision so much more. Um, while the photo shoot was going on, the website was still being built. I had my developer working on coding the um, actual platform, you know, being able to choose the nonprofits and the causes and uh, the general subscription aspect to it. Um, so all of those things kind of came together much slower than I anticipated, about six months after I'd hoped. But um, they came together nonetheless. And, uh, you know, it's still, it's still very much a, an MVP. It's not at all the product we want. Um, it's, it's developing all the time. And that takes so much work from especially getting feedback from our current beta testers. So it's, it's, been, a, it's been a slow process, but we're getting there. And here's the piece. Tell everybody that's in our listening audience what is the ask? What are you asking for in terms of this monthly subscription? Uh, you know, just the bare minimum. Um, our goals are, are small. We just want 20,000 subscribers. And by Silicon Valley standards, you know, that is just a percentage of what they'd ever want to see. But for us, that does so much. So by, with, with 20,000 subscribers, each of our eventual 15 nonprofits, we have 11 out of the 15 we really want right now. Each of them could be getting um, $10,000 every single month. And especially, you, you, know, you know yourself in the nonprofit sector, $10,000 every single month could go so far. They could truly change the game and how they are making community change. So that's about $2 million annually we'd be raising from the equivalent of a you know, pint of craft beer or an Uber ride. So for us, we just want people to... Also forget that th this idea that if you want to help out the world, that you have to go all in. And I feel like that's this huge misconception. You can absolutely have a million other hobbies while just knowing that you're always giving back. It's a set it and forget it approach to donating. You just, you know, you're giving back and that's it um, as a bare minimum. And so even if our, even if potential people come to our website and they want to go directly to the source and donate to the nonprofit and skip our platform, we're fine with that. We encourage that. We just want to be your stepping stone into philanthropy and, and just offer the, the very you know, least bit you have. You know, and Monica, I, I would say this for from, from my audience, and I, I talk about this with entrepreneurs as, as well. Running a nonprofit is not as easy as you think. And just because it's easy to start one doesn't mean you should be in the business of running a nonprofit. And, and I made the mistake of saying this to a friend of mine who's so passionate, and he thought that I was like bad-mouthing the people that have started their own nonprofits and are, are getting their hustle on. And, and, and that wasn't it at all. I was trying to explain that the laws and the legislation and the government controls and I've seen some really great people misstep. And I know that so many people want to start their own thing, but there are, are such good existing organizations out there. And to your point, you can take your money and give it to people who know what to do with it and, and protect it and, and have the right legal systems and accounting systems and government systems and the right delivery mechanisms. And I, I think, I think that's just it. So, um, you know, it's wonderful. I, I wish you success as you continue to grow um, down to donate. And so I have to ask you, if we talk to you again in five years, what, what would you hope the achievement and the vision is? I, I just hope that be 
donating becomes normalized. Um, I had a conversation with, and, and I'm going to plug who is essentially one of my competitors. Um, I also have another podcast where I focus just on uh, talking with people in the social good space. And um, in any other world, these, these two you know, companies wouldn't come together and have a civil conversation. They'd just be viewed as competitors. But um, the company is called In Lieu. And what their company does is they um, have an app that allows you to give, to donate in lieu of a gift. So it's, you know, perfect for minimalists. It's perfect for people who already have everything. Um, you just donate on their behalf. And so I think her and I have the same vision where donating seems very normal, but it's not. It's not just this everything, everyday thing we do or talk about. It actually requires a lot of research. Um, when people do it one time, they, they actually statistically, I'm sorry, scientifically feel better, but mm -hmm. they, they feel they have to actually do it you know, in, in this, it's, it's just a, such a hard way to describe it. They feel like they can only do it once, because, uh, once every so often, because they have to give so much, maybe $50 or $100, but really just the, the little, the smallest amount just goes so, such a far away. And we want to make that normal, just giving a tiny bit, normalize that. So, Monica, I appreciate you sharing your personal story and your personal journey. I appreciate you sharing all about down to donate. So tell our listeners um, how they can connect with you, where they can go find out more. Sure. Thank you for having me again. And uh, where people can find us is downtodonate.com uh, on every social channel underscore uh, down to donate spelled normally. And if people want to follow me, um, I am Mon Puffy Combs, uh, M-O-N-P-U-F-F-Y-C-O-M-B-S on Instagram. Well, thanks, Monica. I am so appreciative of your time. And if you appreciated Monica's story and you know somebody in your network that needs to hear it, please share this episode of this podcast. Direct them to Down to Donate. Um, also, if you think that there is an interesting entrepreneur or company founder that we should be speaking with, send me a note at connect at allisonksummers.com. Until the next time, I wish everyone success in business. Thank you, Monica. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.